Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Allison Encero, Senior Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. Next month, our September issue includes an interview with Dr. Georgia C. Benjamin, Executive Director of the American Public Health Association, the nation's 150-year-old nonprofit membership group dedicated to improving health and achieving health equity. In this episode of Manage Carecast, airing as schools around the country reopen or begin to reopen, we're sharing the beginning part of our discussion about public health as a common good in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. You can read the full interview with Dr. Benjamin online in a few weeks at AJMC.com. Thank you for joining me. I just thought I'd jump right ahead to something that I saw uh, this month. Your organization publishes the Journal of Public Health. Did I say that correctly? American Journal. American Journal of Public Health, right. And your August issue is about public health as a common good. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit in the context of, you know, what we've seen this year. Sure. Well, you know, we, what we know for sure is that um, 80% of what makes you healthy occurs outside the doctor's office. And that, you know, the, the social determinants of health, um, those things that in society that can help you um, more effectively be healthy or can serve as a barrier to you being healthy, generally are those things that are societal goods. And you know, it's education, it's housing, it's transportation. Um, it's certainly access to healthcare is in there, racism, discrimination, you know, how we treat one another, the way we build our communities, all those things um, make a big difference in whether or not one can be healthy or not. And so, you know, recognizing that, you know, that to be true, uh, and, and also the fact that, you know, we, we, we seem to be, moving as a society into a, I'll take care of myself mode versus I'll take care of us mode. Um, we, we've been trying to emphasize the fact that uh, we really need to have a new societal compact for health, agreement that we're going to all take care of one another. And I think what COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic has done is share in its starkest terms how unequal our society is and how that disease anywhere impacts everybody everywhere. That, um, you know, how interconnected we are um, in the employment area. The fact that, the fact that the, some of the people that we thought were our most essential workers were the people that we ignore and don't pay attention to every day, the grocery store clerks, the, the service workers, the people that pick up our trash. Um, and, and that group of people, in many ways, um, had an enormous, enormous risk and disproportionate risk because some of us were able to go home and telework from home, but they had to go to work. Um, and then the, when the economy um, essentially collapsed because we closed things down, those were many, we, we discovered this group of workers that, um, you know, who get up every morning and go to work, but now their jobs are lost. And so we went from one of the best um, 
job environments to now one of the worst recessions that we've had um, in many years. And, um, um, and we're pretty much close to depression level levels. So I think that it, it um, in order for us to get out of this, I think we're gonna to have to recognize the societal obligation that we all have for one another to, um, to prosper in our society. And you know that, that starts now. Um, it starts first by defeating this um, terribly infectious and destructive disease. It is going to be about rebuilding our economy, but at the same token, it's going to be about us building the social supports so that we can all get back on our feet uh, in, a, in a reasonable way. You mentioned education as one of the social determinants of health, and this month, you know, a lot of districts are going back to school already. We also know that one of the biggest factors researchers are now discovering in adult health is um, ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. What are your concerns as a public health official in striking that balance between keeping people healthy but recognizing that school might be the one stable place for some kids or where they get their meals or the need for consistent education? Well, we've always known that uh, that uh, school, we never, we haven't really appreciated it as much as we needed to. But during our formative years, um, we've known that school and even daycare before that, you know, preschool mm-hmm. uh, activities um, do a, go a long way to enhancing um, our children's social emotional needs, to um, engaging them in learning how to work and play well with others, to you know, improve their socialization skills, and then, of course, to help them learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. But it's those other skills that really help them, I think, in society in a, in a, in a bunch of ways that we really don't think about very much. But their ability to interact with each other, um, their opportunities for play, um, and their competitiveness and their ideas on right and wrong, all those things happen on the, on the, on the schoolyard, in the play yard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yes, we parents give them some guidance, but it's, it's the real world practical experiences that they get that really imprints upon them, you know, these, these important skills. Now, what's happened now, of course, is that we have pulled them out of that environment where they would get that. And then we really haven't replaced it. We haven't been as innovative as we need to be because we assume, we, oh, we'll stay away for a while and then we'll just go back to normal. And now we're discovering we can't just go back to normal. Um, we also always knew that there were, you know, for many children, the um, place in which they actually got their only real good meal for the day was at school. Mm-hmm. And so food insecurity is... Um, is growing exponentially, not just for these kids, by the way, but for many of their parents as well, as they've lost their jobs. And again, everybody assumed this would be a short-term issue, tragic, but short-term. And now we're discovering it's long-term. And we really didn't plan to go back to school well. And so what we're happening is lots of false starts and stops um, as as we rethink this. And and in many ways, I think people are thinking about this in a one-dimensional way. You know, how do we make the schools safe? But 
and, and that's not really the, the whole picture. The whole picture in my, in my mind is how do we make sure that children, um, you know, we step back and say, how do we make sure that children prosperous, become prosperous and healthy and emotionally um, well endowed during these periods? and then build the system around them, whether it's the educational piece virtually or in class, whether it is their engagement with their friends. I mean, if, if play is so important, which I believe it is, then, and if we're gonna be have these kids at home, then we ought to have some virtual playtime, you know, um, for these kids. In fact, you know, as you know, many of them were going home anyway and playing on their games, but we ought to figure out more structural ways to meet the socio-emotional needs of these children. Uh, we need to find more effective ways to meet their food security needs and recognize that this is not a short-term event now. We need to reconstruct this thing um, in a semi-virtual, maybe one would call a hybrid environment for probably just next six to eight months for sure. And, and then um, we ought to, well, probably concurrently with this, we gotta be figuring out how we can improve the health and well-being of our whole society. You know, how do we how do we get rid of these disparities that we have in education? Right, a lot of kids went home, and the kids with means were able to hook up right away. Um, their teachers, their parents, maybe been able to hire someone to come in and help them with their with their schooling. Um, but many kids weren't able to do that. They didn't need, even if they had access to a computer. They didn't necessarily have access to Wi-Fi. Or if they had access to Wi-Fi, they didn't have access to a computer. Um, or their parents were home at work and simply just didn't have the time to spend the kind of quality time that they needed. So they got plumped in front of a computer. Yeah, there was a teacher on the other end, but the education wasn't as ideal as it needed to be. Right. So we've got a lot of things we need to do around that. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're really busy. I see you all over the place. So thanks for chatting with me. Listen, thank you. And I really appreciate you uh, giving me a call. Okay. Take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. To read this interview or other interviews in this series, see the show notes for this episode. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.